0: Right, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or whenever you should happen to find this. <clears throat> this is the 13th episode of the Quote of Arms podcast, where we talk about the tribes that people enjoy, why they enjoy them, what they are, and uh, we get into some of the deeper stories of magic. So I am your host with the most, Jero of the Unsummoned Skull, and I'm joined today by
1: Peter, aka Mono Whiteboarder on Twitter.
0: Wonderful to have you, Peter, and we have uh, been frequent uh, frequent collaborators in a number of different uh, programs, such as MJ's Magic and Quarantine, as well as some of the regular streams.
1: Yep, <clears throat> glad to uh, get on your individual podcast and talk about my favorite track.
0: Thank you, and it's wonderful to have you, especially because uh, uh, we are going to record it, uh, so on the day that we were going to record it, it was going to be... Halloween, which would have been awesome, because the tribe we're going to discuss today is...
1: Skeletons! I, uh, I'm well known for uh, a love mm-hmm. and appreciation of all things skeletons and MTG, when I'm not talking
0: about white cards. Yeah, funny, because I mean, right when we get you to stop talking about white cards, we're talking about cards that have little bits of white on them, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: the ivory-colored cards, if you will. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it makes sense. Uh, You get them to work together, and it's like, ebony and ivory. Oh, you thought I was going to go with the spooky skeleton song, didn't you?
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure uh, you'll
0: find time for it to come up, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Gotta go with the memes while they're still popular. (laughs) Gotta keep up with the young people! (laughs) (laughs) So, skeletons and magic... Oh, I actually have a bit of a history with them, too, because they were in my first-ever magic deck.
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: That's great. uh, My first-ever magic deck had to do with skeletons and demons.
1: Okay, so the skeletons were like uh, the minions or the fodder for the big, giant demons to pay tribute?
0: Kind of. So, Mm -hmm. what do skeletons do, typically? What sorts of abilities do they have?
1: So the most iconic skeleton ability is Regeneration, which has essentially become obsoleted. I think it's been completely moved out, but the very first skeleton in Magic was Drudge Skeletons, which is one in a black for a 1-1 one, one that has pay a black and regenerate it, meaning you remove all combat damage from it, you remove all damage from it. If it would be destroyed, it isn't destroyed instead. And so essentially skeletons are these really resilient Attackers or blockers, or whatever you need them to be in the moment. That's evolved since drudge skeletons. That's evolved to be uh, coming back from the graveyard in the vein of reassembling skeleton, which is one in a black for a 1 1 that you can pay one in a black to return from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Sanitarium skeleton comes back to your hand. Um, there's chattering auger comes back to your hand. So a lot of them the representation of I'm hard to kill is now in I come back frequently on my own without any assistance.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that was actually with the job that they served in my demons and uh, my demon deck, which was uh, the demons do the offense, the big giant flyers in the air, and then the skeletons are the defense that create the line that's difficult to break through. Yeah,
1: and... uh when I'm building my skeleton tribal deck that's it's funny, that's pretty much how I use them is uh, I often call myself a speed bump mm-hmm. if I make myself just enough of a speed bump, just hard enough to kill that you don't want to, I'll beat around for the late game
0: mm-hmm.
1: and skeletons are really good at doing that they, uh, they just love getting smacked and not going away
0: well I mean is there much there to feel pain? once you get past the nervous system they're, I mean, they're, they're just the skeletal system there's no nervous system anymore
1: so it's not like they really <laughs> yeah. feel that much pain. Yeah, you know, they just, uh, that's, I love the, like, the iconic imagery of, in video games, like, uh, if you picture Mario and how um, my favorite character in Mario, obviously, Dry Bones, when he, when Mario jumps on his head, he, like, crumbles, and then he rebuilds himself back up. I always love that imagery of skeletons, and you see it in cartoons, and TV, movies, whatever you see, kind of skeletons reassembling themselves, much like the iconic reassembling skeleton. So, they uh, they can take a lot of pain because they don't feel any.
0: Sounds good. It's really different from me. <laughs> nah, <that's> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> nah, most of the pain I feel is emotional. Anyways, <laughs> uh, getting dark there. Getting dark there for a second. Getting too. Yeah, cold, we'll wait till cold.
1: later to get dark. <laughs> We'll give it, like, uh, another ten minutes, and then we'll get really dark.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of getting dark, what colors are they usually in?
1: Skeletons are uh, pretty much always going to appear in black or have a black pip in their identity somewhere. Um, Even now, there's occasionally a green skeleton you'll see, Um, the most notable one being Golgari Grave Troll, Mm -hmm. which... uh, is has the dredge mechanic is famous for being banned in modern, then unbanned, and I believe it got re-banned again. It was basically determined that dredge six was still just too good. But normally you're going to see skeletons appear in black. There's occasionally um, black red skeletons that are that'll appear um, with a with the gold border and be black and red pipped. Um, there's one white skeleton. It's a black white skeleton, underworld sentry. But that's it. And then uh, there is two black-blue skeletons in Mortis Strider and Cathari Remnant, both of which uh, I play in my own skeleton, Tribal Tech. But probably, I mean, if you were like to use color pie terminology, you're going to be looking at primary black, secondary green and blue, actually probably secondary green and red, and then tertiary blue. And then I guess white can be tertiary too, just for fun season.
0: Yeah, they started making some specific support as well, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, green... Um, recently got Skeletal Swarming, which is an enchantment, and has inspired me to start working on a black-green skeleton deck, finally. Nice. And that that uh, both pumps all of your skeletons and then also helps generate your skeleton army.
0: That's cool. So yeah, It's cool to see them actually get some support and not just have a bit of flavor to them. Kind of like how I built Dog Tribal, and then they started getting some support to them.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's fun. So the reason I built the tribe originally is because they weren't a supported tribe. I, I have, I'm a real sucker for unsupported mm-hmm. tribes. Um, I built Tribal Nomads uh, a long time ago. Uh, that's since been dismantled. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a little bit too low power. Like there was literally no table I could find where that deck was feasible. But uh, skeletons was another one of those projects that's like, this is a completely unsupported tribe, but we get a skeleton every set. Similar to, I feel like recently, we've been getting a dog about every set. And so Mm -hmm. through that, you end up getting enough options that you can kind of pick the best ones and actually have some choice in your deck construction. I don't know if we're quite there with dogs yet, um, but we're getting closer. And so skeletons, because they're from the very dawn of magic, you you have at least one skeleton a set normally, Mm -hmm. and you can... Start to actually have this collection of skeletons and this strategy, but it was really kind of neat, even though it didn't fit into my blue black skeleton deck. It was neat to finally see a piece of skeleton technology in uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. And, nice.
0: You
1: know, it, it's cool, it like feels like a skeleton card still, which is really important mm-hmm. to me. It's not just a generic anthem, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I liked about the challenge of building an unsupported tribe and my dog tribal is that they still they had a little bit of an identity but i felt like i could give them an identity
1: yeah yeah i totally agree with that it's like you you as the deck builder aren't given a direction you have to kind of clear your own path mm-hmm. using the tools given to you
0: yep so the dog one what i went with was uh so different ways to get them out quickly and also ways to get them to power each other up, or power up based on the amount of each other there were. So basically, they attack kind of like wolves would in a pack.
1: hmm Yeah, and then for <clears throat> skeletons, for me, it became a lot more of kind of like we described earlier, a uh, survive-in-advance kind of style to use a football or NCAA March Madness term, you mm-hmm. know, just survive another turn cycle, get some more... <laughs> Get some more cards, get some more creatures, and just keep surviving. And much like skeletons, you know, skeletons are hard to kill, mm-hmm. and they just kind of stick around, and that's where you end up in the game. You know, you're just kind of there and sticking around, and eventually everyone's kind of worn themselves out, and you're there with your army of one ones and can sometimes steal a game. I, I don't think I've ever won a game with Skeleton Tribal where I felt like, yeah, I just got out ahead and beat everybody. No, I, I always feel a little bit like I stole it.
0: Mm-hmm. I do like you saying that you won games, though. That, that's certainly uh, that's certainly a good thing to see. I think you've won a couple yeah. on stream before. I believe
1: I've won a skeleton game on your stream, actually. And mm-hmm. it was that, like, hour-and-a-half slugfest. And, a half slug fest. <laughs> and um, the opponent... Like, I had a handful of cards, but I couldn't kill the opponent really fast. Mm-hmm. And they had, like... They were basically down to just drawing one card a turn. And, like, every card they played was a, was a heater. Like, it was... um They played that one that... Um, like, when it deals damage to me, it, like, blows up a creature. But I had cathar- I had one of my flying skeletons out, so I was able mm-hmm. to constantly block it. Nice. And, uh, and I was just, like, slowly chipping away at it. It's, uh, it is it's a funny deck to lose to. I don't know if it's fun to lose to, because <laughs> it does take a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when it comes down to losing to a deck, it's more about losing to a player. And you're mm-hmm. always a fun player to lose to. And I have no problem That's good. with that.
1: That's I'm glad to hear
0: that. But that's in part because you're such a fun player to have at the table.
1: Thanks, Jiro. And uh, I can say the same about
0: you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I I certainly do some fun things sometimes, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, you do them in a fun way,
0: and that's like like you said, it's just it's not. Yeah, it's not how you lose Mm -hmm. it's who you lose to. I like that. Yeah. Um. I mean that, and I like to make games about having a story. So mm-hmm. the time we lost to the the skeleton deck is certainly a bit of a story. <laughs> uh, same, I mean, reminds me of uh, fighting against the skeletons. Reminds me of the quote from I think it was Rocky too. It's like he just kept coming after you. <laughs> yeah, that is
1: that is <laughs> gotta be
0: part of the mantra of the
1: deck. you, uh, yeah. you and it's kind of funny because you, I actually hand skeleton tribal to a lot of new players when they first start playing because it's. Mm-hmm pretty simple but it it's a deck that kind of teaches you you have agency over your board right so Mm -hmm. you can leave up mana to regenerate your creatures and you know a new player has their thing you know okay here's what regenerate does and you know maybe the first time they lose their creature oh man that really stunk and then the next time that a board wipe happens they regenerate their creature and then they get to keep their board and so even though the cards themselves aren't super powerful they're all extremely simple and they all kind of do the same thing and you get to keep doing stuff throughout the entirety of the game which is one of my philosophies when i play magic like i just as long as i'm doing something i really don't care what it is so my goal is to play as much magic as possible so that's why i give it to new players a lot is it's just it's a simple deck all the cards are fairly similar there are some powerful things you can end up doing. There's a coat of arms in the deck, and if no one else is playing a tribal deck, you can make a lot of really big skeletons. And your board is somewhat resilient to the board wipes, which are you know are gonna happen in the game, and I feel like so many new players it's like so crushing. They play out their creatures and then they just die and they don't know what they could have done to stop it. Skeletons have it written right on the card, so it's like, oh I'll just A1 black and I'll regenerate this skeleton and I get to keep a creature around, and it's kind of it mitigates some of that feel bad of playing in it.
0: Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I like playing with evacuation effects. Yeah. Because you don't lose the things that you put out, but you do have to spend some time replaying them, which is where, by that time, people can draw answers. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like Soul Ring's a broken card. It's Soul Ring early in the game, enabling a player to put threats out that are beyond what people can deal with with the resources they have that makes it such a dangerous card.
1: Yeah, it's, it's about, it's kind of a tempo lesson, right? It's mm-hmm. okay, when, if other people stumble, what's the result of that? Oh, I, I lose my velocity, and when you lose velocity, you have to recover it, and recovering your velocity gives other people time to catch up.
0: Yeah, and, and losing velocity doesn't mean losing the cards, which is, uh, yep. and that's also a pretty important lesson in terms of the feel bads in, in games and such. And an important lesson, I think, for veteran players when they're playing with newer players. Uh, not everybody's going to have a skeleton deck like that to to be to be that resilient, but everybody's going to have a deck that's capable of coming back from an eva- evacuation. It's still a setback. It's but it allows the players to or the other players to react a little bit better, and it also um, allows you to recast the things. In some cases, it can even generate more value for you if you have certain end of the battlefield effects or such. But it allows you to have your board wiped but not lose the cards that you really wanted to cast. Uh, for example, let's say we're playing against, I'm just gonna name drop a uh, Hoth. So Hoth likes to play with her uh, <clears throat> angels. Mm-hmm. And when people pick apart that board, it feels kind of like they're picking apart part of her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they're cards that she really, really likes. And so, removing them in a way that she can't get them back is kind of hurtful. And not just within the game context, but it kind of feels like the part of her that she put into her deck is not being allowed to express itself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially because, I mean... With tribes, so, like, with magic, there's a lot of things people identify with. Like, sometimes we identify with a specific color combination. Sometimes we identify um, with a specific character. And sometimes we identify with a specific tribe. And so, you know, the tribe kind of becomes like your baby, right? (laughs) And somebody's removing your baby from the game. And so, you know, you get these different tribal cards that you have, you know, some kind of emotional attachment to because you might be the only person you've ever seen play them or um, they might mean something to you. And, and so not getting to see them do their thing can be really defeating. And it can also lead to you like wanting to cut the card from the deck. And I, I'm always mm-hmm. for like, play the cards you want to play, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: don't, And so, uh, and eventually, you know, you just, a bad card, sometimes it's just a bad card. And if you're playing at a certain level, it's hard to make that card work. Like, not everyone has the luxury of just being able to play Skeleton Archer in their deck, which is a three and a black for a 3-3 three, three ske- one damage to target player. Like, mm-hmm. it's not very good, right? But right. I just like seeing it come down, and I get to go, now you'll face the tragedy of my Skeleton Archer. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, you know, put on my best Skeletor voice. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can feel like you're kind of having that fun taken away, which uh, it, it's a balance in a game that is both competitive. And you're trying to win, but you also want to see everybody have a good time and have
0: fun. It reminds me a bit of the, uh, the tribal game where, <clears throat> so it's one of the, so one of the games we were trying to do a, a tribal game, and
1: uh,
0: <clears throat> so we know that everybody's playing the tribes that they want to play. We, we knew this at, as part of the rule zero meeting, and then <clears throat> the Merfolk player puts out uh, Elishnorn and then copies the Elishnorn with Sakashima. Oh no. It's like, you know, in an ordinary game, maybe that's okay. But right. you know that we're all playing tribal decks, and now because of static effects, we can't cast the members of our tribe.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially depending on what tribe you're in. I mean, skeleton, so the one of the funny things I do with skeletons is I say, oh, no, a hard counter to skeletons, because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of hard counters to skeletons. Oh, you yeah. know, somebody plays a terror, and it's like, no, my skeleton can't regenerate, you know, or Wrath of God is a hard counter to I've joked that Staff of mm-hmm. Nin is a hard counter to skeletons, but mm-hmm. two Norns, I there's not a lot of skeletons that survive an <laughs> Elishnorn. In fact, oh, I... Yeah.
0: Uh, um, maybe if you have enough skeletons out and have the uh, the coat of arms?
1: Coat of arms, yeah. <laughs> not even uh, not even Bone Dragon <laughs> mm-hmm. can uh, can survive an Elishnorn on his
0: own. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean... Yeah, there was the frustration. That was the bigger part, was was the frustration of everybody's deck being neutered by static yeah. abilities. But there was also the, well, this is supposed to be a Merfolk deck, and neither of those two cards are Merfolk? hmm <laughs> Which,
1: that brings up just such a tough point with, like, when we do tribal <laughs> decks, right? Of like, So my skeleton tribal deck, literally every card is either a skeleton theme or a pirate theme. Like, even down to the board wipes, and you'll appreciate some of these, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Ingrook's wake, like the wake of a ship nice. <laughs> that I leave behind, uh, devastation tide, mm-hmm. deadly tempest. So like, even though board wipes are puns that you might hear at sea, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we all aren't going to commit that hard to the theme, right? Like all of my arts either depict a skeleton, their skeleton theme, their pirate theme, there's something there. It's like, how much do you commit to a theme when you're building a tribe? Are you allowed to play other really good cards that aren't in the tribe or aren't on theme? Like, of course, it's your deck. Play the cards you want it to play. But, mm-hmm. you know, in that tribal showdown, it can be really defeating. Like you said, to your Merfolk deck just busted out two copies of Elishnorn, which is not a Merfolk and doesn't really have mm-hmm. anything to do with Merfolk. It's just kind of a good card.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, yeah, that can be that can be really defeating sometimes.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's not to say there's anything necessarily wrong with it. It's just uh, you could say there was a bit of a failure in the Rule Zero to make sure that we yeah. understood the power level of what was going on and how we expected tribal decks to play against each other. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to exactly explain that, to say something like, well, if you're playing a tribal deck, we expect you to win using members of your tribe. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's something you could really enforce.
1: Yeah, and I mean... It's, like, how are you using... So some people, like, will use a tribe to support some alternative strategy that the tribe kind of likes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Elf Ball, a lot of Elf Ball decks went with Crater Hoof, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Crater Hoof's not an elf, but, like, the imagery of this, like, these elves summoning this giant beast to lead them into battle is pretty cool and pretty evocative. So, you know, there's some room to play with flavor and good cards and, and what you're and you're still using the tribe to win it's just the win con isn't a specific member of
0: that tribe so yeah, there's certainly that nausicaa the valley of the wind uh, motif that comes up with that
1: is that a, is that a movie i don't know uh
0: it's a studio ghibli movie about uh, oh, okay yeah yeah but the fight between nature and mankind
1: yeah things uh things i need to watch more of is just studio ghibli uh, movies in general
0: Oh yeah. Well, I'm gonna have a lot of random uh, pop culture references. That's just kind of what I do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If you do wind up watching uh, Grave of the Fireflies, just make sure you got some tissues nearby.
1: Uh yeah, I've uh, I've been putting that one off for a while actually, because uh I've um somebody set a uh, Sufjan Stevens song to Mm. uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, and that's uh, not good. <laughs> yeah, it was it was that was, that was pretty brutal to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I I do have that on the list of like things things to watch. It's pretty high up there. It's just
0: mm-hmm.
1: gotta be uh, gotta be mentally ready. block <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> out an evening.
0: I mean, so, and sometimes when you're uh, when you're feeling that way, it's just good to get that feeling out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I would watch it in a night when you're already not feeling great as weird as that sounds like some like the, the tendency is to try to like go 180 the other direction or go 90 degrees the other yeah 90 degrees the other direction but I prefer to just steer into that and get it get that out kind of like uh, well I guess it's kind of medieval when they say things like bleed it out but <laughs> I mean yeah people who like metal are pretty well adjusted right yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, 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 definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that, of kind of, like, not being afraid to lean into things or steer into the skid, like you said, like, I mean, so, I've been thinking about this in preparation for the podcast, actually, so, like, one thing I've feared since I was a kid, like, so, I went to Catholic school as a kid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and one day I remember distinctly we were sitting in the church, so... Each class had a day of the week that they went to mass in the morning for their religion class, mm-hmm. and the teacher was—or not the teacher—the priest was given his homily, and he said, "What's something you're afraid of?" And I was like, "I'm afraid of death," as like a second grader. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like, I must have been really afraid of death, and uh, and I've never gotten over that. Like I've I've always been afraid of death. Like I like this year alone, I've just like been freaking out about. Uh, or 2020 in general. Like I've just, yeah. it's been constant on my mind. Like I constantly want to go to the hospital because I think that I'm dying. Like I had a a week or two weeks where like I feared tetanus. Mm. And then I play skeletons, right? And it's kind of yeah. that same idea of like, I ha- I really like skeletons. Like for mm. October, I designed, uh, I I didn't complete the whole month, but I designed 22 skeletons. I play a skeleton deck. I have skeletons in my room. Mm -hmm. uh like i have a little velvet skull and then a a uh, little figure it's like it's something i fear but skeletons are like a Mm -hmm. like a representation of that because skeletons are like goofy and but sometimes they're scary like there's a lot of different personalities in them with death so like even though i fear it so much i try and keep it close to me and like learn about it and experience it and have it around me to try and overcome that a little bit so Mm -hmm. far it's not working but like it's funny that something I fear so much still brings me so much joy in my life, mm-hmm. right? Skeletons are often a representation of death or a manifestation of death or personification of death.
0: Mm-hmm. And, like,
1: they bring me so much joy, whether it's in magic or art or, or anything, right? So I, don't know, I totally relate to that steering into the skid and just, like, I am going to embrace this thing rather than mm-hmm. run away from it. Awesome.
0: Well, that, and it that is particularly interesting because of the day on which we are recording this which is not mm-hmm. Halloween although that was the original intention but it's actually mm-hmm. on uh, all Saints Day or yeah uh, believe Dia de los, de los muertos so yeah, that's uh-huh. where they have the calaveras where they put out the dancing skulls and the candy skulls and they really embrace both life and death at the same time
1: they, yeah uh, the yeah, ancestors and then, uh, come back and all such. Souls day is tomorrow mm-hmm Um, which is another uh, Catholic feast day and uh, a continuation of Dia de los Muertos and uh, and is it just a Mexican tradition or Um, is it also celebrated in um, Spain?
0: It's it's in South and Central America more so than Spain.
1: Yeah, so Um, it's not a European tradition, it's a Latin
0: American tradition. Yeah, more indigenous Mm -hmm. uh, tradition. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that's also where uh now you mentioned being Catholic, I'm Jewish and I like yeah. how life and death get embraced together. Uh and one of the things is really really helps Jewish people to accept and understand concepts like death and how like how we don't see them as necessarily all that terribly sad. It's because when somebody passes we say, May their name be for a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh because, uh, so in Christianity, uh, Chris, uh, some Christian naming conventions usually name people after other living people. Um, uh, that's not to say they always do, but you wind up with something like Howard, uh, Williams Third or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you name them after the father or something like that.
0: Maybe after the father, but it's certainly against, uh, it's really named after a living relative. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Just and you want them to carry on for that person, I suppose. But Judaism, we named we name a person after one of their ancestors who passed away, but who was of good reputation. So my first name is Jeremy, and the J in Jeremy comes from both my grandpa Jack on my uh, on my my, my great grandpa Jack on my mom's side, as well as my great grandpa Julius on my dad's side. So those were both the people who brought their respective families to America.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: And right now I'm the one who's going to carry on my last name because I'm the youngest living male. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Uh, that yeah, I really... Name. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. Let's, so it's let your name be a blessing,
0: right? So may their name be for a blessing.
1: May their name be for a blessing, yeah. That's, yeah. I like that
0: a lot. And Because, <clears> uh, yeah, so in the... Catholic
1: tradition, there's it's popular to like name your children after saints or New Testament figures. So that Peter, because of the apostle Peter, yeah. uh, my brothers are James and John. So mm-hmm. we have the that's uh, in Catholicism, the Transfiguration happens and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John mm-hmm. uh, up to the mountain with him uh, for yes. the Transfiguration. Uh, so that uh, so th- that's the naming tradition for. The three boys. Uh, my sister is uh, also named after a saint, but I don't remember if my older sister is named after a saint. Um, her one name's of these Mary days, Margaret, so...
0: Maybe one of these days you'll polymorph a, uh, a skeleton into a cleric.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, I'll keep a lookout for the potential there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that will be interesting. So... Uh, You mentioned that people usually find skeletons scary, uh, but you like art that shows them in a more humorous or uh, at least a a slightly different way than than just trying to get the jump scares. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the skeletal arts that you enjoy?
1: Um, So one of my favorites is Limduel's High Guard. Um, Let me get the correct edition. There's a couple different arts of Limduel's High Guard, so I want to make sure I get the one that I have here. So this one's from Deckmasters.
0: Yeah, and... So, yeah, there are different printings that have different arts. There's also sometimes, especially early in Magic, like in Fallen Empires and Homelands, I think, when they would have multiple arts for the same card.
1: Right, right, right. So this one, but... So this High Guard depicts, like, a skeleton, and he's got this, like... His jaw is, like, all the way open, and he's carrying this banner... So Limb Duel is a necromancer from the early part of Magic. So.
0: Yep, they this actually is... made a card for him in uh, Time Spiral, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is, uh, I people have tried desperately to play that card. Mm-hmm. And they haven't figured it out yet.
0: I've played it before. Uh, so so sh- I, I got a goal tradition. for anyone out there
1: who's looking to make a zombie deck,
0: try a Limb Duel deck. Yeah, I played it before, and I had decent success with it, but I took it apart at some point.
1: Yeah. It's a neat card. It's one of those cards, it's, it's seven mana, so like it's intrinsically a very different animal to try and conquer. But High Guard has this, like, really goofy-looking, like, skeleton and kind of parade armor. Um, skeletal Scavengers has them... They're all, like, digging through this... Uh, they're all digging through this pile and looking for gear and trying on different gear, which is kind of uh, goofy-looking.
0: I can dig I it. Some of... yeah,
1: gonna... yeah,
0: yeah. I, uh, I really like the that themes, one. If you were looking for a more offensive uh, skeletal theme... Maybe skeletons with legendary weapons? Ooh, like you
1: literally lean into the skeleton scavengers, and mm-hmm. so they're like, uh, it's instead just the, kind of the spirit of like a legendary warrior, but their legendary <laughs> yeah. status is gone. I kind of like that. That's yeah. a good flavor. I like that.
0: Yeah, and you use ex- um, exclusively legendary equipment, though.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like, for so, sure. Like Maybe that could whatever definitely be like a black-white skeleton mm-hmm. build, right? Mm-hmm. Of use the white for equipments and then the black for the skeletons.
1: Oh yeah. I would be uh, I would be remiss to not mention Manor skeleton though. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is a friend of mine. This was their favorite skeleton, and they would every time I play it, they would quote the flavor text of oh, nice. lungs dried to parchment, wheeze, blasphemies within a cage of bleached bone. Uh, it's just a very satisfying line of text.
0: Nice, especially it's like the bleach bone part.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that alliteration, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it kind of depicts this like skeleton that it's it's unclear if it's like jumped out of a door at you or because it's kind of holding a candle. Which why is it holding a candle? So it's unclear if it jumped out of a door at you or it's trying to show you around that house, right?
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Be our guest, be our guest, but my dream. <laughs> right, oh, right. man. Yeah. I'm kind of um, thinking, can you imagine if they made a, uh, like, maybe, cause we, we, one of the things that we share in common is uh, D&D as well. They made, like, an yep. adventure where they go around and there are a zombie. It's so you go around the house, but there are uh, the house of a, ne- a famous necromancer. And they have zombies doing each of the roles like there's Mrs. Potts as a zombie. <laughs> so, if, it's funny. If you're
1: interested in a uh, kind of Beauty and the Beast-inspired plane a little bit that mm-hmm. does feature skeletons, uh, a there's a completely community-driven custom magic set called Casmire that's run by the Beacon of Creation community. Oh, nice. I've tweeted about it a couple times, Mm -hmm. but the whole set, it's like Beauty and the Beast inspired, so there's food people, um, but there's also this, like, noir theme of, like, detectives, and basically everyone is, for some reason, trapped in this mansion that's the size of a plane, so it just goes on forever, but it's all indoors, it's a mansion, Mm. and um, there's a lot of, it's very punny, Uh, uh, even if you just look through the plane sculptor file, you'll enjoy, I think, seeing all of the puns inside of there. Um, but yeah, it's very Beauty and the Beast inspired. Not quite the home of a necromancer, but, uh, a lot of the same tropes are kind of being played on.
0: <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, so I think that very much sounds interesting, and sounds a little bit like the work that I was doing with, um, I haven't heard from them in a little bit, so with Wayfarer.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah,
0: that was the, like,
1: um d style magic game, right? So like yeah. you played a magic game and there was uh, someone who was like a dungeon master kind of role. And then everyone else was teaming up against them.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like a slightly more advanced version of the, um, the horde decks, where there's a little bit more of a story to it. Got to make some custom cards. That was really cool. I got to design some cards, <laughs> uh, the, I, I got to make two different sets with that. The first one that I made was trap oriented, which was awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, so, like, the Zender card traps? Yep. Yeah.
0: I love those. <laughs> Th- those are cards I wish that they had made more of. Because yeah, it, it's not free spells, it's cheaper spells, and it requires something being done, which I think is cool in multiplayer.
1: And there's a lot of cool ones. Like, I've definitely like been well that's this doesn't sound as good i've been close to including some in a deck mm-hmm. the white ones just aren't as impactful but there's like a green one i can think of where you just get a beast for like two mana it's like a four four beast and so i just really Baloth did cage that part it's really cool element. beast was it beast trapper you said
0: it's bail cage trap i think
1: yes that's definitely it yeah
0: um so i actually have built a couple of different trap decks uh, one of them is, I'm not sure if you've seen it before, but it was the uh, the Bant-colored uh, Charb Ultra deck. That used, no, I didn't see uh, that So that one used uh, traps as well as modal DFCs and pitch spells uh, to, uh, to avoid having to actually play lands in the deck. So that I could mm-hmm. uh, actually manage to pull this off before. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it because that deck looks so terrible on paper. <laughs> um, but I actually managed to pull off the uh, <clears throat> the, the Smackdown with the uh, the Charbelcher with it. But another deck is what's
1: up? Does Charbelcher deal damage to each opponent or just one opponent?
0: Just one, but the commander was Duretti, and so I was oh, okay. able to put Duretti in and untap it, and yep. use it again. So <laughs> basically, I. Uh, so, end step, killed one player. Untap for my turn, killed two. Yep, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> and that was, that was a silly game. Uh, so another trap deck that I built was, um, this one I actually built before Clark came out, but, uh, <clears throat> so it was Clark and Vile Smasher. I don't know if you've seen that one either, but that's one of my favorite decks. Quirk, yeah, yeah. Um, this basically allows you to unsummon from the stack, which I think is awesome.
1: Right, right, right. I actually built a uh, quark and smasher. Ooh, excuse me, quark and vile smasher uh, games deck. So it was like flipping coins, and nice. uh, each card has its own little um, kind of random chance game on it. So they really enjoy that deck. They have a lot of fun with it. Nice. Quark obviously being the primary game that you play most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my crack my uh, Vile Smasher deck is designed to uh, play spells for free, or for very reduced costs, and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> trigger Vile Smasher, and then either Crark returns it to hand, and I play it on someone else's turn and trigger Vile Smasher again, or I get the effect twice.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, you cast your free spell, and if you get it back, okay, I have a free spell for Vile Smasher next turn, and mm-hmm. then... If you don't, well, I get two versions of this film. Yeah, th- I like that. I like
0: that spin on it. I built it before Quark came out, but that's really the only thing that I've added to it since Quark came out. <laughs> um, I think uh, there have been other cards that I should add to it. I think I might have add stor- added Storm Lardin, and if not, I really should. <laughs> because uh, that's the one that makes uh, treasures for each time you cast or copy.
1: Right, yeah, that uh, that is a very good card. That is a very good Magic card. Oh, yeah.
0: I need to add more Magecraft stuff in there. It is a, it is a silly deck though.
1: <laughs> and I know what people are thinking. People are thinking we're not talking about skeletons. But remember, all of these creatures have skeletons inside of them. All mm-hmm. of your decks are skeleton tribal <laughs> decks. Well, Unless you're, mean... uh, you're building the new slug person, mm-hmm. the slug creature. Then you got me there.
0: Exoskeleton. I don't know if
1: they have that. do slugs have an exoskeleton? I honestly don't know. I know very little about mm. slugs.
0: I just know that Lord Slug was in Dragon Ball Z movie. <laughs> Slug <laughs> uh, well,
1: I maybe. would uh, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention two more magic arts that are fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't seen them before. Um but Dance of the Dead is mm-hmm. a uh, reanimate dead, but very skeleton theme. So there's like three skeletons and hoods, and uh,
0: that's the one. They the uh, are all doing. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah that all that doing striking poses.
0: Yep.
1: And then uh, Drudge spell, and no one, uh, no one go out and buy this card out or anything, because it's a sweet card for skeleton tribal, and uh, I need to get a second copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's in homeland, so I'm like, I'm really nervous it's gonna spike randomly one day. But Drudge Spell is this really goofy-looking card that has a headless, four-armed skeleton person riding a skeleton horse with a skeleton dog to the left, and to the right is a skeleton pseudo-dragon, which is like a small version of a dragon. It's like a lizard with wings. Nice. Um, And that that art is uh, awesome. And that's one of the primary win-cons of the deck, actually, is survive and then make a bunch of skeletons
0: with Drudge Spell suddenly. So what does Drudge Spell do?
1: Oh, Drudge Spell. I guess I should read this Brick of Tech. Mm-hmm. So, it's black, black for an enchantment that is has the ability to pay a black. Remove from the game two target creatures in your graveyard to put a skeleton token into play. Treat this token as a 1-1 one, one black creature with black, regenerate. If Drudge Spell leaves play, bury all skeleton tokens. So, very high-risk card. It, uh, it's funny, it... it can be a Nambo with Skeletal Swarming, which uh, I'm excited to have somebody remove my Drudge Spell and kill all of my Skeletal Swarming tokens. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that happening one day. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's a very good like surprise token generator, and I pair it with a Desecrated Tomb in my Skeletons deck to also make a bunch of Bat tokens at the same time, so just create this army of uh, flying tokens and skeleton
0: tokens. Nice. <clears throat> So, I mean, if we're also looking for more of that transition, the way that you win with skulls is you slug the opponent over and over again, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, so there we go, so slug, tribal, it would just be skeleton, tribal, because skeleton slug.
0: Yep. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> are there, so I think that's an example of a non-creature, right, that, that has a that skeleton in the art that you like in there?
1: Yep. Yeah, both of those are non-creature. They're both enchantments. One's an Aura, one's, a, one's a, just an ordinary enchantment. Both um, of Lindul's and other enchantment, that one is a... Uh, you can pay black back to draw a card, but every time you take a damage, you have to... Or take a damage or lose a life, you have to either sacrifice a creature or discard a card. So it's a greed that doesn't have life loss on it, but with a huge downside of, you know, if somebody deals damage to you, you could lose your entire board. Because mm-hmm. um, you can't sacrifice Oath of Limbdool when you take that damage. So it's uh, I've, uh, I've actually used that card, and it's worked out pretty well, but it is a very high-risk card. I have had my entire board <laughs> removed because of mm-hmm. an Oath of Limbdool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um. And then uh, another favorite I think I should bring up. It actually just got removed from the deck for uh, a new skeleton that came out. What was the new skeleton that came out? Not Chattering Augur. There was a new skeleton that came out, so this finally got the cut. Or, no, no, sorry. This actually remained in the deck. I'm sorry. Just adding some confusion to this uh, train of thought. But another very fun card is Time Bomb. It kind of features this, like, skeleton that looks like it's in some sort of, like, carnival game, holding a balloon. It's very, very peculiar. It's from, uh... What says this from? It's from... Fifth Edition, I think, is... Mm -hmm. No, Ice Age is the weird art. That's where the weird art's from. So if you go look up the Ice Age time bomb, it features this very, very strange skeleton like holding a balloon on this sort of like... It kind of looks to me like a dunk tank. I don't know if that's for sure what it is, but... Uh, and then during your upkeep, you put a time counter on it, and then you can pay one, tap it, and sacrifice time bomb to deal damage to each creature and each player, where X is the equal to the number of time counters removed. Nice. Just a very goofy board wipe with a skeleton on it, so it made the deck.
0: It is a way to deal damage to players, too.
1: Yeah, I've uh, I've used it as a finisher before. Uh, That is
0: true. Uh, Yeah? Well, uh, one thing I can say about skeletons, you don't see them frowning, because they're not capable of doing so.
1: No, they're all smiles.
0: (laughs) Yep. all right well thank you very much for uh, for coming on talking about skeletons for a while as well as a number of other things but the skeleton of the discussion was still skeletons (laughs) (laughs) so how can people find you
1: uh if you want to find me i am on twitter at mono whiteboarder, um and then i also have a link to my blog i just recently uploaded a new post that is um Picking back up on my deck diary, I've kind of, I took a break. I hadn't really been playing my deck diary very often, but it's a, uh, it's a collection of cards that are all, or it's a deck made of cards that were printed this year and last year only. And uh, so I've just been using it to kind of test new cards and uh, kind of just write generally about my experience. So sometimes it has to do with Magic. Sometimes I'm just talking about uh, Magic adjacent stuff that the deck inspired me to think about.
0: It's hey, awesome to see kind of like a Magic time capsule.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was supposed to be, and it's, uh, yeah, some of them are just kind of, you know, short random thoughts, some of them feel a little bit more thought out, some of them talk about each individual card swap, some of them I don't even talk about
0: the cards I had. It's kind of a throwback to what Magic was really originally supposed to be, which is kind of like, a, when you're looking through your deck, it's supposed to be like a snapshot of all the different places that you've been. Yep. Before they really introduced the concept of planes as, like, material cards from, like, Plane Chase. That's what it was supposed mm-hmm. to be. It's just supposed to be you looking back on all the cool different places you've been as, uh, as some all-powerful Planeswalker.
1: And then, uh, yeah, some places you forget, and those are replaced by new memories. And
0: yeah.
1: I just recently, so the deck, the way the deck is working is... Uh, <laughs> When I add new cards, so like I just added a huge batch of cards from Midnight Hunt, and so my primary focus was taking out cards from the earliest part of the year. So uh, there's no more Theros cards in the deck. So now the deck is updated to everything after uh, or return to Theros, which I think was Ikoria was the next set after it or something. But, and then after the next set, the, you know, when the Crimson Vow releases, I'm going to start trying to replace cards from Ikoria, so it's just going to keep moving forward.
0: Alright. Well, I look forward to seeing how it develops. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Coach.
0: It's been an honor.